Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. How are you doing? I mean, it's Beyonce and Jay-Z's anniversary. I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? I'm hopeful that that piece of information will turn this day around. I I hope so too. I feel like good things happen on 4-4. Yes, yes. I want to actually start this Grammys conversation by mentioning something that you said last night. Do you know what that is? No, what? So last night, Julie, Isabel, and I were all watching the Grammys together, but separate. And Julie in our group chat said, this feels like the VMAs. And to me, it was such a simple line, but it so perfectly conveyed kind of the energy that I think we were all experiencing. So we can break down exactly why that comparison was made, but I just want you to know that that line really resonated with me. I'm glad. It, I'm both glad and not glad it did. I'm glad that you felt like you had something to compare the night to. I'm not glad in the sense that I don't want it to have felt like the VMAs. Like last night just didn't feel like the most prestigious night in music. And I think there were a lot of different reasons for that. I don't think it can be summed down to one thing, but it definitely, I think we all realized felt a little bit more off than it usually does. Right. And I want to get into those factors, but just to go back to the comparison for a second, that's the thing. I actually like watching the VMAs. I enjoy it. I think it's a fun show. And so it wasn't that I didn't enjoy watching this necessarily. It just didn't have that same gravitas that I think I crave from the Grammys or the Oscars or something that really is supposed to be the biggest night in whatever field. But venue-wise, I feel like that's the most important place to start. Because as you guys know, it was at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, and typically it's held at the Staples Center in LA. So off the bat, that was clearly a change. And I don't know how accurate this is, but there were some reports in the days leading up to the show basically saying that you know the celebrities and the performers and just attendees in general were kind of displeased with it being in Vegas and how that whole thing further complicated things and kind of added chaos, even down to things such as the stylists, you know, stressing about having to bring the gowns there. And I guess just little things that made the process slightly more difficult for those in attendance. 
Well, I think that that is something that we as the viewer don't always think through. A lot of the times with these really prestigious events and these award shows and there's so much that goes behind the scenes. But as the viewer, to us, it just appears like magic. I think that location played a huge role in that. I think even with the lack of celebrities that you notice in attendance, usually when you have an event in LA, the whole city rallies around these big events. Like you saw for the Oscars last week. Even if you weren't at the Oscars, you were at the pre-parties, you were at the after-parties, you were part of the whole weekend. For what the Grammys were last night, it was just whoever was there. And so it felt very lacking in terms of the grandiose that you're usually used to. Well, exactly. And I think the not wanting to travel absolutely played a role there. I mean, that off the bat, take anything else aside, it was a far less star-studded evening than I do believe you would have had in LA. And by the way, change isn't a terrible thing. I remember the first year they did the VMAs at Radio City and that went great. But it just felt like, I mean, we know they were scrambling and I guess it was just, you could feel that they were scrambling, which is unfortunate because clearly production does everything in their power to not allow the audience to pick up on that. But you kind of picked up on it. And I think the other thing is also that can't be ignored is that out of all of the award shows, which always get a lot of backlash almost every single year for some sort of snub or some sort of overlook. It's just kind of goes with the territory. I think the Grammys have become the most notorious for that. And not that the awards last night necessarily had that impression. I think that a lot of them were really fairly given out. I think a lot of them, people were really happy about the recipients. I think where you noticed people's anger and their mounting anger with the Grammys over the years was more in the attendance. I think in the past where you have situations where these larger celebrities and these larger artists are much more willing to show up even if they're not being honored or show up even if they're just a feature on a song that's nominated, you didn't have that last night. And so when you looked into the audience and the camera panned around, not only was the seating incredibly spread out to begin with, but it was so lacking in star power that when the camera would pan, you would recognize like two or three people and then the rest would be a lot of seat fillers or a lot of people's guests that you didn't recognize. And I think that added to like the, what am I watching here? Because you want to look into the crowd and feel like, oh my God, I cannot believe all of these people are in the same room. And when you looked into the crowd last night, I think you felt like, wow, I can't believe how many people are not here, whether they should be or supposed to be or not. Right. Especially coming off of the Oscars. And as we know, the Grammys were supposed to be in January. It was not the plan that they were going to be one week after the Oscars. But I definitely think amidst all of the chaos from this year's Oscars, the one thing that was true was that you looked out into the crowd and it felt famous. Like, that's what you want. You want a fucking famous crowd. That is the best feeling and to get all those little reactions. And yeah, it was lacking that. But there were some exceptional moments, some phenomenal performances. I mean, personally for me, best moment of the night for sure was the her, Lenny Kravitz and Travis Barker performance. That got me going. Yeah. I mean, of course there were great moments. You had Justin kissing Haley's neck on the red carpet, which I think made all of our nights. Sizzle and Doja Cat winning. What an incredible duo. And then you had, you know, of course, Meg The Stallion and Dua Lipa up there. And both of them are just so good at being celebrities, so good at being famous. And like, I think when you see people like that and this next generation of fame that comes up, it gets you really excited. And it, you know, obviously one of our complaints that we said two seconds ago was the fact that there wasn't enough star power in the room. But what you are seeing is this new generation come up, Lil Nas X, Olivia Rodrigo. So it's not that it lacks star power. It's that you're now also at the same time adjusting to a new generation of fame. 
Which is a really exciting one that I think it does feel energizing and I think people are eager to celebrate. But hold on, I want to go back to the Doja Cat Sism moment for a second because for the last year or so, I feel like the public has really gotten to know Doja Cat through TikTok and other mediums, but you've really gotten a sense as to who she is. And she has this kind of fun, quirky personality. And I would say the biggest takeaway that people say about her typically is like, does Doja Cat not realize how famous she is? It's almost like she doesn't know that she's a celebrity because she operates so much on social media in a way that somebody who's as famous and as successful as she is wouldn't typically operate. And it's the reason that she's so endearing and that people are drawn to her. And so last night for her to be in the bathroom when her name was called, it was just so on branch, you exactly who you view her to be. But then to take it a step further, when she gets on stage and she's kind of playing with it, but then has that moment of, real serious reflection. And she's like, I know I typically like to downplay things, but this is a really big deal. It was like, you even felt that that was more powerful because you know how she typically operates. So for that rare moment of seriousness, it was so cool to be a part of. And also keeping in mind that Doja Cat's win last night came off of a week where she basically threatened to quit music. And so to be able to witness the year that Doja Cat had as a whole see her have a couple of rough moments throughout it and then be acknowledged in this way felt really rewarding both for her and as a fan. And I did feel last night that there were a lot of instances where the Recording Academy really got it right in terms of who had the biggest year in music and who was acknowledged and rewarded for that. I think the prime example of that being Olivia Rodrigo winning Best New Artist. I felt the same way with Olivia Rodrigo and Doja Cat specifically, just about those acknowledgements being so deserved and kind of the obvious choices. And listen, this entire thing is subjective, so you're viewing it through your lens. I do think that given the year Little Nas X had, it was surprising that he did not take home a Grammy. However, and this is not a replacement, him performing with Jack Harlow, not to sound dramatic, but that was so important to me that that took place because Forget about each of their own years individually being so exciting. This was really the year of that duo. And so how are you going to have a Grammy Awards without the handprint on her ass cheek sign? Like those moments were so pop culture defining for this year. And it made sense, for example, that that was a performance. Yeah, of course. And that's always going to be the case where it's easier to nail the performances that are there and get those right versus the people who are recipients. I mean, so many people, so many talented artists and so many deserving artists get nominated in these categories. And there's only so many Grammys to go around. There's only so many categories to go around. I know there's a lot of conversation on TikTok happening right now, specifically with Justin Bieber, where they feel like Justin Bieber was begged to come to the Grammys by the Academy this year. They given the slots perform, nominated eight times, and then given nothing. I know that that's a conversation that happens with a lot of different artists. Nicki Minaj, who's been nominated and hasn't won, like this happens over and over again. And so, yeah, performances is really the easiest way to say you had a great year, you had a banner year, you even had one of the best songs of the year, but you may leave tonight without a Grammy. But again, that's why you see so many artists continuously frustrated with the Grammys. Then you have this balance of people like Doja Cat who wins and it's such an honor or Olivia Rodrigo gets up and says, I dreamed about this since I was a little girl. And it's like, how do you offset those two things? How do you offset the anger with the honor? 
Right. It's a really good question. And I think it's significantly harder to answer when you are somebody who's actually up for consideration because those two things can probably exist, you know, having issues at the Recording Academy and then also recognizing the honor and having that excitement. I also think there's a lot to be said for people's newness to the industry and potentially feeling less shaded and maybe seeing less of what really goes on. I don't know if there's a newness that can be associated with that excitement. There's so many different factors at play. I mean, yeah. Did I find it slightly shocking that Peaches didn't win something? Yes, I found that to be one of the songs of the year. But like you said, you know, shit happens. I will say that a consistent I felt last night was that every performer seemed to be having so much fun. The best example of that clearly is Billie Eilish. When I was watching her, I was like, you are me when I take an edible, just like so happy to be here. So I don't know if that was going on or if she was just in an amazing mood, but she just seemed to be enjoying every second of it. And the same could be said for every single performer. I felt that way about Lil Nas X. I felt that way about her and Lenny and Travis. I mean, every single one, I felt like they were just having the time of their lives. And that was fun because that's not always the case. Yeah, I mean, and specifically with John Baptiste last night, I mean, his face when he won Album of the Year as well was a priceless Grammys moment. I mean, that shock factor. I want to go back to what you said about Billy last night because I actually texted you guys while I was watching her and I said, it feels like we're seeing a much happier, much more comfortable Billy. Like when she won at her first Grammys and she swept, you saw a girl who was so scared of that recognition. Like she was so nervous for what the backlash was going to be of her winning these awards and for her place in the music industry. And I think a couple of years later, you're now seeing somebody who is so comfortable with who they are in the industry, really knows their place and also was really happy and excited to be there. And it so shows Right, exactly. She felt so happy to be there. And I don't know if this is accurate, but my perception was very similar to yours in that it felt like there was a real acknowledgement of the comfort she feels in this spot. And you know what? It felt good to watch her almost celebrate herself in the way that I feel she's been celebrated. Yes, totally. In terms of the red carpet, I actually feel that my opinion on it was slightly in contrast to that of the Oscars, where I think I said, on the whole, I felt the red carpet really killed it. For this one, I I guess there was just a lot less cohesion necessarily, which typically does happen with the Grammys because I guess it's a less formal event. But there were a few that I loved. There was a lot I didn't like, but in terms of the ones that I loved, I thought Dua Lipa and that Versace blew me away, which I didn't even realize was so similar to... Sydney Crawford's Versace look at the 1992 VMAs. I didn't realize that until she posted that photo today, which we can put the link in the description. I thought Doja Cat also in that Versace. Little Nas X in the Balmain suit, which I know is very similar to the Balmain outfit that Kim wore at her bachelorette party in Paris. And you know something? I thought Courtney coming off of a Vanity Fair's party with a dress that I would say the majority of people didn't really understand absolutely killed it. I thought she looked sick in this jumpsuit. I much preferred Courtney last night. It, it's so interesting still and so crazy to see Courtney being the one on these red carpets at these major events. I mean, that's obviously a spot that we're used to seeing Kim in. And I know that hasn't been the case for the past couple of years, but really out of any of them, when you're used to seeing somebody walk the red carpet, it's Kim every time. And so for it to be Courtney specifically at the Grammys is like, it, it really threw me for a loop. No, Julie, this era of Courtney that we consistently talk about is never more on display than when she is at some sort of a massive event, typically an award show, specifically where Travis has some sort of a role. So obviously he was performing at the Oscars, he's performing at the Grammys, and I mean, he really is music royalty. And it's a combination of 
you know, just watching her overall happiness to be there. But also I think what we're picking up on is her real pride. Like she is so proud to be Travis Barker's guest to the Grammys and it just shows. And it's beautiful. Like when there's that level of mutual respect for your partners, because he would feel the same way if he was on her arm for something that was her moment. And it just, it feels good. You know, like those are the moments when I pick up on it the most, when the camera pans to her, when he's on stage with her and Lenny Kravitz and we have a moment of Kourtney Kardashian literally unable to contain her excitement. It's so human, like for such a non-human experience that most people will never understand what that's like to be in the audience while your fiance is performing at the Grammys. Her reaction felt so real and so exactly what I would expect mine to be. You know, it's like she wasn't cooler than it. Yeah, I don't think she's jaded by these types of awards because these aren't things that she would typically be at. Like, for example, I am fairly certain that we will see Courtney and Travis at the Met Gala. This will be Courtney's first Met Gala, an event that her mom and her sisters, with the exception of Chloe, have been invited to year after year that she has not been. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a result of Travis. I think it's a result of the way that this relationship has evolved and the public interest in it. And also... Travis is fucking everywhere. I literally, I turn around the corner and there's Travis Barker, by the way, most unmissable guy on the planet. And so they're so constantly in our orbit in a way that we're so not used to. And I think that Courtney has not yet been jaded to that fact because I think she's been waiting years and years for that to be her case. When you were like, Travis is fucking everywhere. I was like, I know they are together. I know that's not what you meant. Obviously you were saying he is everywhere, but they are literally fucking everywhere. I mean, she was sitting on his lap last night. I have to tell you, I'll be honest. I am the biggest fan of PDA. I love it. I live for it. At a certain point with Courtney and Travis, I'm like, can you be a little bit more aware of your surroundings? You do you. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy you're happy. At a certain point, I just think we can all agree like we're ready we're ready to move on from the shock factor of them <laughs> constantly constantly grabbing each other everywhere. It's really funny because if there was a spectrum for sensitivity to PDA, I would say that I am definitely on the lowest end. Like I'm incredibly comfortable with it. I'm never going to be the one historically that would say like get a room. It doesn't bother me. I I don't do it necessarily that much myself, but I kind of like it. Like I'm just into that. <laughs> with them, I don't, yeah, it's like the lack of awareness for their surroundings necessarily. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm picking up on what I perceive to be the discomfort people around them would feel in terms of not really knowing what to do. It's just, we saw it a lot last night. I mean, we saw Justin and Haley, we saw Addison and Omar. It's it's not unheard of, but I do think the way they do it specifically and potentially intentionally unaware. Yeah, it's just, there's a time and a place. Wait, also one other thing that I want to talk about red carpet wise, and I know we're going to differ here, at least I feel like we are. When I saw Justin and Haley last night, I mean, together, of course, they're so hot, but immediately my eyes went to her because she looked stunning. It was simple, but it was elegant. YSL dress, the Tiffany jewelry. I thought it was perfection. We don't typically see her hair like that. I loved it all. And with him, I mean, he's so undeniably handsome that he looks good in anything. And I know he's the face of Balenciaga, but I just would have loved to see him in a really tailored, gorgeous suit. Like, give me Jack Harlow's Givenchy number. Give me him in Giveon's custom Chanel. Like, to me, that is so it. And I know it's a look, and maybe I just don't get it. But I felt like, God, especially given her outfit last night, he could have really shown up, and they could have been such a power duo. And many would say that they were. It just was so not my thing. Yeah, no, I'm not particularly a fan of Justin looking like he was the eighth pick in the 2003 NBA draft. But with that being (laughs) said, I, of course, can appreciate 
a Balenciaga statement. And I think that, I think Justin does fashion in a way that's very Justin and he's willing to take risks to a certain extent. So for him, maybe he's not willing to wear something that's so outlandish, but he wants to do a little something that pushes the envelope, especially with Balenciaga. So no, it wasn't my favorite look. I didn't particularly get it, but I understand it based on the way that he tends to approach red carpets like this. I also think with Haley, like, she looked so gorgeous and so understated that it really <laughs> accentuated what Justin was wearing, which I think was the point. I do think that was the point, Haley Wise. I mean, obviously not to the same extent as Kanye at the Met Gala a few years ago. That was significantly more understated, but same purpose of wanting Kim to shine or wanting Justin to shine. I also want to say, I forgot to say this earlier, that Jasmine Sullivan in that Christian Siriano suit, I fucking loved. Not only because I just thought she looked excellent, but I also just love a woman in a suit. We saw it on Claudia. We saw a couple of others last night. I I think maybe for me, I'm picking up on the fact that I would feel so much more comfortable, like just from a comfort perspective. And so I have to imagine they feel that way. But God, when you nail a suit, it looks so good. Yeah, totally. I also thought Chrissy looked incredible last night. And I think that in terms of the fashion moments she's been having, she's really been bringing it. But I thought last night she looked absolutely incredible. Yes, specifically in that pink Nicole Felicia gown. I just thought that was breathtaking. And honestly, the way that I felt about Chrissy was like, wow, you look incredible. I almost wish it was the Oscars. Like I almost felt like the Grammys were not delivering to the level that she was delivering. Well, it's so interesting that you say that because that shouldn't be the case. Like, you know what I mean? Like the Grammys, you can always have a little bit more fun with the fashion. It's not as serious as the Oscars. But at the same time, the Grammys are one of the biggest events of the year. To be wearing a gown of that magnitude should not stick out in any way. It should just be that there's a balance between gowns and and more fun, expressive outfits. So for it to feel a little bit off of the night was so much more, you're right, a reflection of the Grammys than it was of anything else. Right. It was kind of like what we were saying earlier, where you have this massive night in music, the biggest of all time, yet it does feel kind of reminiscent of the VMAs. So yeah, kind of a good analogy, I guess. Right. I'll be really interested to see if next year, if it's back in LA, if that changes the whole vibe of the night or if you know, we're kind of dealing with a different era of Grammys going forward. It's kind of hard to judge an entire future of an award show based on one night that was in a very different location. So, I mean, listen, we, we also know that there are a lot of big, big music coming out this year. As we know, Harry Styles is releasing an album. He just released his single. Leave the door open from Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. That was the only thing that was eligible for nominations. They still have the whole entire album to be nominated. Adele is going to be eligible for next year nominations. So it will be interesting to see if there is a much greater star power at the awards next year or if it kind of follows suit. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine that the location will will play a major role in that, but we'll see. Yeah. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which 
I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them, the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. We also wanted to give an update on the Will Smith situation from last week because a lot has transpired in just the last seven days. So as you guys saw, the day after the Oscars, he released a formal apology on his Instagram. He then resigned from the Academy and had a statement about that resignation. And then Will Packer, who's an Oscars producer, was on Good Morning America, and he was talking about the immediate aftermath of it and how the LAPD were there. They were outlining to Chris Rock his various options for proceeding, and he said that Chris Rock was very dismissive, you know, not looking to press charges or anything like that, which is, I think, what we all kind of anticipated. And then this, in my opinion, is perhaps the most interesting part of it all, which is that the Academy came out and said that they had asked Will Smith to leave and that he refused to leave the Dolby Theater. And then there were conflicting reports to that, which, I mean, who knows, there's so much going on. But personally, if you ask me my opinion, I don't believe they ever asked him to leave. What? Where did you stand on that? I'm not sure. I don't think they asked him to leave. I think it was definitely a conversation. It may have even been something that was mentioned to him, but I don't believe it was any sort of formal request in the way that they had initially made it out to be in that statement. Right. Because technically, if you are hell-bent on, quote, throwing someone out, you can do that. I'm I'm not saying it's what they wanted. However, if they were so hell-bent on doing it, they could have made it happen is what I'm saying. Yeah, right. Definitely a conversation among many that is circulating specifically about whether or not they believe that happened. I mean, listen, there is a lot of conversation that's happening still about this a week later, and I don't foresee it happening or coming to a halt anytime soon. But it is interesting to see the way that people are just so over hearing about it. Well, and then Chris Rock was seen for the first time publicly because he had a show in Boston. And in it, he said, 
quote, I don't have a bunch of shit about what happened. So if you came to hear that, I have a whole show I wrote before this weekend. I'm still kind of processing what happened. So at some point I'll talk about that shit and it will be serious and funny. And to me, that's exactly how I think he's going to do it. Like there is no world in which he takes this massive moment that he is the center of, and then just says his piece about it in some sort of like an off the cuff comment. I think when he eventually does his material, it will be after a lot of processing and he's really going to want to address it exactly the way that he wants to. Yeah. Something that must be so fucking annoying for Chris Rock is that everything that he's done in the past week and everything he'll probably continue to do for the next week or so has that little caveat of like, Chris Rock steps out amid slap. Like Chris Rock seen looking upset for the first time as he's seen in public amid the slap. Like Chris Rock poses with a fan after the slap. It's like, I think he's just like running errands. Like I don't think everything he does has to do with this slap now. It must be so annoying to have to see that headline over and over again when you're just trying to live your life and go about things as normal. Right. It's like Chris Rock looks upset getting gas. It's like, no, gas prices are just through the fucking roof. (laughs) Yeah, like even Chris Rock is affected by gas prices. He should be upset. Right, exactly. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com promo code CELEBS. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We also wanted to mention this, and I'm sure most of you have seen this. It was announced that Bruce Willis will be stepping away from acting. His daughters and his wife and Demi Moore made a collective statement that read, To Bruce's amazing supporters, as a family, we wanted to share that our beloved Bruce has been experiencing some health issues and has recently been diagnosed with aphasia, which is impacting his cognitive abilities. As a result of this, and with much consideration, Bruce is stepping away from the career that has meant so much to him. This is a really challenging time for our family, and we are so appreciative of your continued love, compassion, and support. 
We're moving through this as a strong family unit and wanted to bring his fans in because we know how much he means to you as you do to him. As Bruce always says, live it up. And together we plan to do just that. Love, Emma, Demi, Rumor, Scout, Lula, Mabel, and Evelyn. Ugh. This one just really rocked me for some reason. I was so saddened by this, as I'm sure a lot of you were as well. And I think when you read more articles and you kind of hear direct accounts from people that have worked with him more recently, it helps you to paint a picture in your mind of kind of what was going on and just imagining the frustration that he must be experiencing. And I don't know, it just, it really upset me. And I just, I just am thinking of his family and him. It's, it's not an easy thing. Yeah, this one was really hard to hear about, especially when you have somebody who is so widely respected in the industry and somebody who was looked at almost like a superhero in so many ways. It's hard to see them go through something that is going to be really difficult for his his family to have to watch him go through. And, and you can imagine that pain and it's really upsetting. But I think it's also been really sweet to see the way that people have been stepping up and, and sharing their stories of Bruce Willis and talking about what an honor it has been to work with him over the years. And so, of course, this is so devastating, but there is always that bright spot of people being able to acknowledge what an honor it is to work with somebody and how important they are and how much they meant to the industry while they're still here. I think we so oftentimes feel that those conversations only happen when it's too late or a person's gone. And so, of course, he's going through something. And of course, this is keeping him from working, but it doesn't keep him from hearing these kind things that people have to say about him. Yes, of course not. And I think we, you know, we have this conversation a lot, right? Like you shouldn't only celebrate people after their passing, but similarly, there's so much to be said for celebrating people in the prime of their lives, you know? Like when you worked on that movie with him and it was that rewarding of an experience, like saying that to him in the moment. And I find a lot of times with these these types of situations, it's just a constant reminder of that. Nobody is ever upset to hear that, you know? It will never not make someone's day to hear the way that they impacted you so profoundly. And I just think that there's a lot of benefit from not holding on to that information. Yeah, I completely agree. Actually, there's a really great story about Bruce Willis. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but him and Matthew Perry worked on a movie together, The Whole Nine Yards, and Matthew Perry thought it was going to go number one in the box office, and Bruce Willis didn't think it was going to at all. And so when Bruce Willis had a guest appearance in Friends for those three episodes, it's because he lost that bet to Matthew Perry, and he ended up winning an Emmy for his appearance in the show and donating his uh, his guest fee to five different charities. But that appearance all happened because he lost a bet. I did not know that. That's such a heartwarming story. Such a good story. That's like my favorite one that's come. I mean, again, that's such a great example of there are all of these amazing stories about people that you don't get to hear until there's a reason to tell it. And especially somebody like Bruce Willis and a story like that, you're like, wow, I want to hear everything like that. Right. And that's exactly what I'm saying. There doesn't need to be a quote reason to tell it. Like somehow we've amassed this understanding that that's the way to give compliments and it's just not the case, but that is beautiful. And I've seen a lot of really beautiful things. He just seems to be like a really good guy, an excellent father. I mean, look at the relationship even that he has with Demi. That's a testament to both of them and, and their ability to maintain that so wonderfully. I don't know. Yeah. It's just hard. It's just, it's just really hard. And I, I, uh, I just have a lot of kind wishes to his family and him. And also just thinking about anyone else that this news brought up something inside of you that was hard to process because I understand that. Yeah, absolutely.
People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. So I'm sure you guys saw this. Yesterday, it was announced via page six that a source close to the Kardashians said, quote, for the sake of the kids, Kanye has told Kim he's not making any public appearances or inflammatory social media statements, and he will go away somewhere to get better. And then a rep for Kanye told page six, quote, at this time, Ye is committed to a healthy co-parenting relationship with Kim and is focused on raising their beautiful children. So we find that out yesterday. And then today, I mean, just right before we started recording, it was announced that Kanye has pulled out from Coachella just two weeks before the performance. Also, Travis Scott will no longer be performing since his performance was in combination with Kanye. So I have to imagine these two things are related. Yeah, I would assume that was the reason as well. And I would definitely hope that to be the reason because we are two weeks away from Coachella. So, I mean, regardless, it'll be very interesting to see how this slot is filled and what Coachella does to be able to recover from this last minute pullout. Yeah. And, you know, Coachella aside, I I hope that this is true. You know, I hope that that is what Kanye is doing. I know we've seen him recently with Kim at Saints games and it seems for this current moment that things are a little bit calmer than they were. So for the whole family, I just hope that that's the case and it can only serve him as well. 
Yeah, me as well. It is absolutely essential to me that we talk about Scott's Insta story from last night, which was Pete standing outside of Kim's pink moke golf cart that Chris got her for Christmas with the caption, gotta love Postmates. (laughs) I'm sorry that did something to me. This friendship is my favorite thing in the entire world. It is amazing. The only unfortunate thing is that out of the entire family, I would say Scott and Pete are probably the two least active on social media. So think about how much we're getting. And in the scheme of things, that's really so little. Like imagine if they use Instagram in the way that Kim does, we'd be getting a wealth of content. We're getting more from Scott repeat than we are from Kim though. I know, which is like an amazing turn of events. I like the way Scott uses social media. I don't think it's over the top, but he definitely posts. He like definitely gives us stuff specifically with the kids. And now he's giving us, again, more content of Pete than than Kim is. So I think that that's actually where we're going to end up getting our wealth of information from in the meantime. It's also like, where were they going? Because, you know, the moke is something that you would take around the community. I'm not going to take it on the highway, but who knows? Maybe they're getting in and they're just going to Chloe's. Like, I, I, I just can't. It's really a lot for me to handle. A moke in general, you know how I feel about those, specifically the light blue one. This pink one is also beautiful. But then for Pete Davidson to presumably be driving Kim around in this pink moke while they go to the different family members' houses, like that's a show that I'd watch. Of course. Of course. Kardashians and mokes getting coffee. Like fucking call Netflix immediately. I know. Seinfeld is shaking. Can I tell you what I was envisioning though? To me, it wasn't Pete driving Kim around the neighborhood. It was just like Pete popping over to his friend Scott's house. Oh, and he just happened to take the moke because like the Maybach was, I don't know, at at St. Sacre with Kanye. No, yeah, I think the moke is like the best means for transportation within Hidden Hills. It's so much easier than taking a car. It's so much less of a production. It's just going over to your friend's house. Remember how Seth Rogen a while ago told that story about how Kanye just showed up at his house and Seth was severely hungover and all of a sudden somebody rang his doorbell and it was Kanye standing outside asking if Seth wanted to play basketball. Like that's what I envision Pete and Scott's friendship to be like. Pete just takes the moke and pops over to his like little neighbor Scott's house and is like, hey, I brought you some pizza. Do you want to play basketball? Like (laughs) this friendship, you can't even understand how happy it makes me. Like this is what Scott needed. It's so what Scott needed. He needed this level of companionship and fun and ease. It's incredible. I mean, he's not the guy that's going to be down to talk shit about Travis and Courtney, if that's something that Scott is still desiring to do. He's not that guy, but he is the guy that's going to give you a really fun day. We don't know for that for sure. Maybe Pete has like some pent up resentment towards Travis because him and like, maybe it's like a third friend situation. Like how when like two of your friends are friends, like obviously... Travis and MGK are friends. Like maybe Pete feels like a little bit of like the third left out. And then he wants to be able to be like, that was my friend first. Then talk to, and talk to Pete about that. And they can bond over that. So Pete, so Pete's like, no, dude, like that was my friend first. And, and Scott's like, yeah, it was my girl first. And I'm like, we got to take this guy out. <laughs> like I, I, you know what? I hope that's the case. I hope it's not the case. I want everybody to get along, but if it has to be some way, I, I, I do like imagining them like sitting, having brunch shit, talking a little bit hilarious alternate reality. Yeah. Anyway, basically this entire podcast is for me to say that I think Pete Davidson should be the new spokesperson for Moak and there will be no further notes on that. No further notes. If he can be the spokesperson for water, he can certainly be the spokesperson for Moak. Absolutely. Also in terms of marketing, what also dropped this morning was this 
iconic, and I know sometimes we overuse that word, but I really believe that that word is fitting here. The absolutely iconic Skims campaign that was announced this morning, Heidi Klum, Tyra Banks, Alessandra Ambrosio, and Candace Swainpool, all for the Skims Fits Everybody collection, which by the way, that was the collection I was talking about last week with the dip front thong. And this was just fucking everything. The marketing for Skims is just perfection. Talk about no notes. Every single thing is so simple and yet so impactful and iconic. Like I cannot wait, cannot wait for when Kim and Pete shoot their skims. I know it's coming and I just, I'm so excited for it. I really, I feel like their marketing budget is astronomical and used in the best way possible. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. There's some other really big things coming. I, I It's fun just like to dream up what we think would be phenomenal collapse because I think Kim's the person to do it, you know? And like, this is something if we sat there, we were really thinking them through, we could have thought this one up, you know, not necessarily these specific people, but utilizing iconic supermodels from the past that previously were tied to Victoria's Secret and now putting them here. That's brilliant. But it felt like something that was almost too good to be true. So I think we have to start dreaming up more too good to be true things because there's a very legitimate possibility that they happen. I also feel so strongly in a situation like this, when you have people as iconic as these four women who are working with Kim and doing these skims campaigns, it feels so rewarding as Kim to know that these women are not just willing to work with her, but excited to do so and excited to show off this campaign and understand that it's a big deal to be a part of it. And that must be such a good feeling. Well, it's what we always talk about with her, the industry respect that she even at the height of her fame, at the height of her financial success, she has spoken about struggling with because of the lack of seriousness that, you know, at times she's treated with. And this is a perfect example of people who are masters in their fields acknowledging that she is making waves and waves that they appreciate and commend. And like, that's fucking awesome. And you know something? It feels good as a fan. Oh, absolutely. And it's so crazy to see like... <laughs> The juxtaposition between Kim doing this campaign and then in the exact same week meeting Pete Davidson's grandparents at their Staten Island home. Like the comparison between those two things happening at once is just to really think about that insane. It's the best thing ever. Let me read this exact quote from TMZ. Sources connected to Pete tell us Kim recently joined him on a trip to NYC. We're told Pete was there working on a movie, so Kim came to check things out, and the production happened to be close to Pete's grandparents' home on Staten Island. After the shoot wrap for the day, Kim and Pete dropped in to spend some time with his family, and Kim got to officially meet his grandparents. Like, that's it. That's the headline. That's the best thing ever. And by the way, do you remember this? Because I just forgot until I was reading it. When I was at the NYC Rising event that I know I've spoken about on this podcast a few times because I think it was like one of the greatest nights in entertainment I've experienced. It was the comedy benefit for 9-11 that Pete Davidson hosted with Jon Stewart and had everyone there. I was sitting literally next to his grandparents, like they were the row in front of me. So I had a direct line of vision to watching them when he would come out on the stage and just in general, like their overall pride and and happiness for the fact that he put on this massive event at Madison Square Garden and Dave Chappelle, John Mulaney, everyone is praising him. I mean, at the end, Dave Chappelle gets the entire audience to just basically have a moment of reflection for what this means, that here's this kid from Staten Island who loses his father in 9-11 and just a few years later, he creates you know, this event to honor him. And like to, to see his grandparents watch that was one of the cooler experiences I have had industry-wise. So then to hear this, I'm like, I know how proud they are of him just from those few glimpses that I had. I swear to God, I could gather that from that. And then just like to imagine Kim there with him, it's really overwhelming for me. 
The grandparent aspect of it makes me really emotional. I know. Well, for obvious reasons. But Julie and I have both spoken about like how important our grandparents are and have been in, in our lives. So I know that always hits. It, oh, yeah, it does. It, it really does. Especially for like Kim to be meeting them. I can imagine how much of a big deal that was for Pete. A lot of times when we talk about this relationship between Pete and Kim, it always feels like Kim is bringing Pete into the big moments and Pete is kind of responsible for these smaller things. And, you know, Kim is by the nature of the relationship is the one that is making these grand gestures happen for Pete because there's only so much Pete can do to make Kim feel that way. And so I feel like something as normal as bringing Kim home to meet his grandparents on Staten Island held so much power for Pete to be able to allow Kim to do that and to want Kim to do that. And that is probably as big of big and grand of a gesture as Pete will be able to have. Yeah, it's exactly. It's very special in its very specific way. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? I think that's it. I think so too. I wanted to mention, because we got a lot of TMs. So I don't know the percentage of people that listen to this episode that also listen to the Kardashian bonus show, but last week's, honestly, I think it was a good listen because we were just so rogue. Like it was a, it was, I don't know, we were in rare form for sure. And we totally went off topic and I killed a bug in the middle of the episode. Like just a lot happened. Anyway, I was talking about these one specific pair of, of Skims pants that I'm obsessed with, but they are completely sold out. They don't have any of the colors or the sizes, but we got a million DMs about it. So not an ad. I wish it was, but I'm going to put the link in the description. But you have to wait, I think, till they're back in stock because last I checked, completely sold out. That was so nice of you to like offer up a product that you're dying to get to. Like it was very opposite energy of when Kylie blurred the name of the iced tea bottle that she didn't want people to find out about during the Kylie Cosmetics office tour. Yeah. I think that's something I've realized from TikTok is that I am like really anti-gatekeeping. I didn't realize how much I was annoyed by that until I saw like a pair of jeans that I'm dying for and the person, the creator just like won't tell you. So I guess that's that's where this is coming from because it did pain me a little, but also like I want people to experience those pants. I respect it. I really do. I am anti-gatekeeping when it comes to every other person and pro-gatekeeping when it comes to myself. So I can just, I think that was really an honorable thing for you to do here. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, listen, I wouldn't be so thrilled if I walked into the corner market and there were no Catalina Crunch Oreos, but you know what? Sometimes good products sell. It's a good thing that um, I got them stocked in my apartment. Yes, you did. Thank you. And I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. We love you guys so much. We'll see you later this week for Bravo and Kardashian bonus show. And we thank you for listening and for letting us do this. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is 
almost you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find free to fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.